Bulldog Interviews on BullyNet with your host, Dave Kaufman. He's a nice guy, but only gives belly rubs to dogs. Welcome to the Bulldog Interviews. I'm Dave Kaufman, your host, and today we have one of a number of series that we're going to be doing with Dr. Alan Frank from Hunt Valley Animal Hospital. Hi, Dr. Alan. How are you? Good. Good. Doing well. Glad to have you here. And, uh... Can you tell us a little bit about your, you know, how did you get into bulldogs or whatever, or, or vets, I guess? Yeah, I, I think uh, how I got into bulldogs is interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, as a veterinarian, and I hate to say, uh, like many other veterinarians, um, we kind of had, a, um, unfortunately, a disdain for bulldogs only because we didn't know about them. And after my son actually... Um, kind of got me into this mm-hmm. he was going to buy a bulldog for his uh fiance and um i said well they're you know a lot of work and i kind of went over all the issues that bulldogs have and he goes well i'm going to get one anyway he goes i have you in case there's any problems i said yeah but you know what i don't see that many bulldogs but if you're going to get one let me uh kind of go and look for one and i had a client um jennifer black who took me to Cindy Rogan's house and um, kind of fell in love with the puppies, and uh, and that was it. Cool. <laughs> that that's what started because uh, Cindy said you have to show the dog, and I said okay, we're going to do that, and you know whatever she recommended, that's what I was going to do. So uh, I ended up showing the dog, uh, met a lot of great bulldog uh, people, um, handlers that specialize in bulldogs and everything else. I mean, it just, it was amazing. And I learned a lot from uh, the bulldog people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I guess because I was showing in a veterinarian, you know, they thought I was going to be, you know, an expert. The point was I was just learning. And I actually learned from a lot of the uh, people like yourself who have bulldogs. And um, I guess this started over, I guess, 17 years ago. So, uh, yeah. you know, ever since then, is, uh, you know, I showed his dog, uh, Pokey, uh, to, you know, to its championship, mm-hmm. and um, I ended up with a bulldog myself and became good friends with uh, Cindy and Steve Broden, mm-hmm. uh, traveled to a lot of dog shows and uh, learned a lot and started looking at all the research that's been done on bulldogs. So that's basically how it, how it all started and just kept on um, getting involved and I fortunately I learned from a unbelievable great surgeon uh, from University of Georgia uh, veterinary school in Athens Dr. Clarence Rawlings who taught me um, I actually went down there to learn how to do minimally invasive surgery Mm -hmm. uh, laparoscopic procedures which he taught me but he also taught me the elongated soft palate surgery using a blood sealing device called a ligature. And um, obviously Dr. Rawlings has done many uh, bulldog palate surgeries because of being down at the University of Georgia, um, their mascot being a bulldog, Mm -hmm. Uga. Um, So that's how it really all started. And I've been doing bulldogs now for 16, 17 years, and um, I love it. And uh, I love the breed. I love the people that have them. And uh, fortunately, my clients take exceptional care of their dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's been uh, it, it's been great. 
uh, very rewarding uh, in many ways. Um, but, um, you know, Bulldogs got my heart. And uh, I know, uh, what was it, about three years ago, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name from the New York Times who wrote that article, uh, kind of a very negative article, and I responded mm-hmm. to him pretty vehemently, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stating that my son's bulldog lived to 13 and a half years, and there's many other breeds that have more problems that bulldogs have, and one of the breeds, the other breeds I have is German Shepherds, and they certainly have their share of issues. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, but when people come in to my office, I think the main thing that I try to impress is that, you know, a bulldog is not a Labrador. It's not a Chihuahua. It's their own breed, and um, they're very unique, and they have to be treated that way. You can't, as a veterinarian, we cannot lump them all in one group as a canine, basically. Every breed has their own specifics as to issues that they may have, and... I feel that that's probably one of the reasons why I think a lot of veterinarians, unfortunately, don't like um, treating bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And I read your article about you know how to pick a veterinarian, which I thought was excellent. And, and I think that's so true that you really have to find a veterinarian that truly loves the breed and knows all their idiosyncrasies that they have, you know, from the tip of their nose to their tail. So uh, extremely important. Yep. So that's how I got into it. Good. <laughs> and you can tell, you know, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. The um the one common theme that when I was interviewing uh show breeders and, and show people is the the extent that they go to get to their bulldog uh vet. And just it's incredible. Some of them drive three, four hours to get to their vet and uh and they're they're happy that they have a vet that knows bulldogs and you know, if even if it takes that, that amount of travel to get there so then they're diagnosed correctly, quickly, and uh, it's it's good for everybody. Good for, good for the dog, good for the owner, and uh, yeah, I, I know when I just like that article said. I mean, I, I, it, it's true life to me. When I went into a vet, I had uh, a local vet. We had uh, a, a dog that was that had pneumonia. They kept treating pneumonia, and here it was a long palate issue, and took her mm-hmm. to, took her took her to the right vet, and the vet looked right away and said. So it's not, you know, you're just treating the symptoms. You're not treating the issue. And uh, it's so common no, today to do that, unfortunately. No, and I've had uh, cases that have come as far as Canada, mm-hmm. and their vet diagnosis is a elongated soft palate. is kind of the opposite of what you're describing. And that dog actually had a collapsing trachea. It wasn't a palate issue. Unfortunately, I was able to make some calls, got it up to the University of Pennsylvania, and they put a, a stent in the trachea, mm-hmm. um, but it, it wasn't the palate at all. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have to know the breed, and the fact that I'm in that area now, off kind of laryngeal, pharyngeal area, and the bulldogs, mm-hmm. we see other issues. I've, I've had dogs, bulldogs come in that have ended up with uh, tonsillar cancer and things like that that that's why they were having issues okay and it wasn't the palate but most of them that come in are the you know truly the uh palate issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and that one we could spend a long time on because uh um i try to be very specific um i won't waver from my technique and my procedure my protocol has worked so well over the past 16 years that uh and I, I think that's something that we will go into um, detail with and why I use certain medications in the bulldog and so forth. So 
which I find you know very interesting. Right. Yep. Very good. Um, so let's start talking um, about heat stroke since we're getting into the summertime, and I, it can happen anytime with bulldogs. I've had it. I think I had heat stroke with uh, one of my early bulldogs. It was very warm outside. She was uh, um, like walking around with me outside, and, and I guess she was battling some some of the phlegm and stuff. And then all of a sudden, she just sort of tensed up and fell right over. And as soon as she fell over, um, she uh, cleared her airway, I think. And then she also um, uh, pooped at the same time. And she sort of looked startled, and she was laying there. And I think that was the first time I ever saw heat stroke. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Um, and then, but, but I'm not hundred percent sure. So can you tell us a little bit about heat stroke and well, what to yeah. look for and what to do? Yes, I, yes, I can. Um, interesting enough, um, when I was showing my son's bulldog, he met me at one of the dog shows, I believe it was Howard County Fairgrounds and it was probably about 9,800 degrees out. And, um, I told him to keep the dog cool in the car, you know, so he had the air conditioner on. Unfortunately, it was too cold. So as soon as he took him out in that heat, literally within minutes, mm-hmm. um, Pokey, you know, started panting. And um, I think we had enough time to show him. Took him home right away. We, we cooled him down. And um, his temperature was rising pretty fast. He was definitely, uh, you know, starting to have heat stroke uh, symptoms Mm -hmm. so you know myself being there getting him uh, back home right away bathing him down a little bit uh really helped quite a bit but that's the kind of thing we see you know when they're in a cold car and then taken out into a hot environment that can cause some issues Mm -hmm. obviously the most uh critical issue is dog you know the bulldogs being in, in cars um with even the windows down a little bit it can get quite hot in there and i've been the show veterinarian for many years mm-hmm. and that was one of the issues we had you know we, we unfortunately you know i treated a lot of bulldogs that were starting to show signs of heat stroke but uh were able to you know save them because you know, we the owners saw the symptoms and signs and uh, reacted right away mm-hmm. but what will happen is um you know with heat stroke it's what they call non-fever hyperthermia. Uh, it's just a, you know, the hit, the heat dissipating mechanism of the, of the body, uh, cannot really accommodate that excessive heat. Okay. So, um, and then what happens is the heat stroke can lead to multiple organ dysfunction. And I, one of the research that I've read on heat strokes, usually when, when the temperature starts hitting normal body temperature for a dog's 101 to 102. When it starts approaching 104, 105, um, over 105.8, I believe is the number, mm-hmm. uh, is what they call you know hyperthermia, and that's when heat stroke ensues. And now, a word from our sponsors. If your dog sitter isn't using Corettable, what are they doing to your dog? You don't know, and that's a big problem. Dog sitters using Corettable relieve the stress, guilt, and anxiety that a dog owner experiences when they're away from their dog. If you love your dog, insist that your pet sitter use Corettable. Check out Corettable today at Corettable.com. That's C-A-R-E-D-I-B-L-E.com. Corettable also works great for people who use caregivers for loved ones, like children and the elderly. So check out Corettable today at Corettable.com. That's C-A-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com. 
Now, back to the Bulldog interviews. I think as far as the signs that typically that we'll observe in our, you know, pets that have heat stroke mm-hmm. um, is, uh, and, and then again, if there's underlying disease, it's going to make it worse. You know, such as, you know, all our brachiocephalic breeds, uh, English Bulldogs, the Pug, French Bulldogs, Boston Terriers, they're all, you know, can be prone. And I think most of us as breeders, owners are very cognizant of that. And, um, you know, we take pretty good care. And, and that's something that when owners come in with Bulldogs, I make sure that I tell them about that and that they have to keep it cool. The young dogs tend to overexert themselves and really, uh, uh, you know, panting. They love to play and mind fetches, and he can keep going. And I just have to, you know, I uh, can't let him go too long because he'll, you know, he'll start panting very heavily. So that's probably one of the first symptoms you'll see is that the panting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll start hypersalivation, like you know, the drooling, and then the body temperature is going to start to, you know, increase. Mm-hmm. Um, lifting up the lips, the Gums become, or mucous membranes become, you know, hyperemic, extremely red, okay. uh, bright red is the best way to describe it, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, also, they, they start showing signs of shock, then the gums start becoming pale. And um, and then it can even go with like a cyanotic color, too, sometimes with inadequate um, oxygen, um, you know, to the, you know, vital organs. Mm-hmm especially the lungs, so they'll get a bluish color is the cyanosis. Um, then they'll start with uh, irregular heart, heartbeats, you know, what they call arrhythmias, you know, just irregular heart. You know, if, if you were to hook them up to an EKG machine, it would be very irregular. Uh, they can go with the shock. They go with the breathing distress. Sometimes you'll see them vomit blood. Um, and uh, also, you know, they'll, they'll lose their bowels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you'll even see blood in the um, bowel movements. Mm-hmm. Um, black tarry stools is also a sign. Um, the other thing is when you, when you lift up the gums, sometimes you'll see what they call petechial hemorrhages. What that is is these little um, like bruises on the gums, and they're like almost little pinpoints of a bruise or, or like red dots on the uh, mucous membrane. So that's another way you could tell that there's an issue going on. Um, they get very dull. Their mental status uh, kind of changes quite a bit. Uh, they may have seizures, muscle tremors. They get wobbly, incoordinated. You know, in veterinary medicine, we call that ataxia. It's kind of like a drunken appearance almost. You know, you kind of stagger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you got to watch. They'll, they'll stop breathing. They'll go into respiratory arrest. Um, and... Um, you know, going to cardiopulmonary arrest uh, is kind of the end stage of um, heat stroke. So you can see that the symptoms, you know, you, you, most people know what they are, and, um, you know, they see it and they know, and usually if the dog shows, you know, I get called pretty quickly, you know, when, when their uh, dog sees that. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, AKC uh, want, want us out of there uh, pretty early in the morning. So yeah. most of us are showing about 8.30 in the morning, and then they, I think they want us out of there. I'm sure that's the reason. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So this whole thing from when it's the, when it first starts um, going into heat stroke to the to, to where it's very critical, that's a, a pretty small window sometimes, right, if, especially if the heat continues to rise or if they're locked in a car 
or oh, it, anything stupid like that, right? Yeah, you're you're talking literally within five to ten minutes of if you leave a pet in the car, even with the windows, you know, cracked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very bad things can happen, and uh, many windows have been broken by passerby, you know. Uh, individuals, good Samaritans that end up breaking that window mm-hmm. and, you know, saving a dog's life. Uh, life. I mean, you'll see that on YouTube a lot. You'll see it uh, on the news. It's, uh, you know, I would hope most people are aware of it, but it, it seems like, you know, every summer that comes on, we'll, we'll see something like this happen and people go, I didn't realize it was, you know, that fast. It's very quick. The yeah. temperature in, in a car can rise so quickly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, but as far as you know, uh, treatment, uh-huh. uh, early recognition is definitely the key mm-hmm. to treating heat stroke. Um, you know, obviously, immediately correcting the um, hyperthermia or the increased body temperature is very important. And um, you know, they they recommend hospitalizing. Uh, you know, the, the I should say the veterinary textbooks you know, recommend hospitalizing. I'm not a fan of uh, hospitalizing bulldogs, and that's something I will go into, I think, at a later time, why I don't believe in um, keeping bulldogs overnight uh-huh. or after I do surgery. They are going home with the owners. They actually have the owners recover them, but I'll get into that when we talk about their surgery and things like that and how I deal with that. But I kind of go against the grain um, from even the specialists um, and, and that's from my 16, 17 years of working with bulldogs. And fortunately, knock on wood, um, I've had been very successful with, you know, the success of, of certain types of surgery. Mm-hmm. And that they go home once they see the owners, it's a whole different story. They're they're a different dog, and they they're they're very attached to us. And I just feel like that's something that's extremely important. So I will get into that at a later mm-hmm. time um, on the surgeries. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we usually will treat uh, the complications of heat stroke, you know, blood clotting disorders, uh, what they call DIC, or um, kind of a very unusual um, physical, um, physiological uh, occurrence that happens, and it's extremely difficult to diagnose, actually. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, DIC is what is called disseminated intravascular coagulopathy is when um, and the thing of it is, you never know when to start treating for that because uh, it's it's so hard to diagnose. Uh-huh. Uh, but well, the other things that occur with uh, heat stroke is kidney failure. Uh, you get um, cerebral edema. You know, fluid building up on the brain is can be a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you got to treat underlying disease or correct factors that increase the likelihood of you know developing increased body temperature if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as external cooling techniques, you know, spraying the pet with uh, water or immerse in water prior to transport to the veterinary facility as directed by your, you know, pet's uh, veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you don't want to do it too fast. You don't want to, you know, use ice cold water because um, that'll cause vasoconstriction and can, you know, cause more problems actually. Okay. Um, but you want to, you know, a lot of us when we go to the dog shows, we do have like little fans. Um, you know, I have a couple fans that, you know, are battery operated and they work actually really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to use uh, cooling techniques. 
such as using you know isopropyl alcohol in the foot pads, groin area, and under the uh, forelegs. Um, and then you know once that temperature starts coming down, and, and we can usually see that, and it's always I think a good idea for us as bulldog owners to you know, carry a thermometer, a rectal thermometer, so we can actually you know if we feel that there is a problem, we can you know watch that temperature you know coming down. So we usually stop cooling um, procedures when the temperature reaches, uh, you know, 103 degrees or around 39 degrees centigrade mm-hmm. to avoid, you know, dropping too low a body temperature. And then we're going to go into hypo- hypothermia, you know, which is, you know, a low uh, temperature of the body. Right. Um, and they do recommend, and we recommend, you know, avoiding ice as they may cause, you know, blood vessels, you know, the surface of the body to constrict. Uh, so that's, you know, what they call, you know, peripheral vasoconstriction and may decrease heat dissipation. And then you start getting shivering response also is undesirable. So that's another reason why we don't really want to go too far with, uh, you know, the cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the most, um, I mean, the best way that we do the treatment. And then when they come in, if they're in shock, there's certain medications and things like that, that we can give. I mean, the main thing is you worry about the kidney function because if they go what they call anoric, which is where they're not urinating at all, mm-hmm. um, you know, they go into kidney failure pretty quick. So uh, we got to keep them, you know, diureased and uh, usually get them on IV fluids, treat for some shock if, if that, you know, if there is shock there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, let's see, some, you know, so like we do fluid therapy. Uh, sometimes we'll use oxygen supplementation, you know, via a mask uh, or a nasal cannula. Um, and sometimes we have to use a, a ventilator. If they're unconscious, uh, we'll put an endotrach tube in and put them on a ventilator. And sometimes, you know, keep them, um, we'll even, you know, keep that endotrach tube in. We'll give a, um, what they call a constant rate infusion drip of maybe an anesthetic agent such as um, propofol. Um, you know, and, and so your cases, I've never myself have had to get this far, but sometimes I know some of the specialty hospitals have done tracheostomies on, on dogs, which I, you know, on the bulldogs, which I'm not a huge fan of because once you start getting into that, uh, it really, you know, get into some major issues after that. So, okay. Um, but there's no specific drugs, you know, that are required treating, you know, increased body temperature. I mean, there are some medications that you can give that's supposed to drop the temperature, but to use that can also be dangerous. So, you know, most veterinarians know about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, like I said, they use diuretics and sometimes uh, cerebral edema. There's also some medications that, you know, we use as veterinarians. So, um Fortunately, you know, my practice, you know, we'll see a few cases in the um, summer months, and fortunately, uh, most of them are not bulldogs, which is good. And like I said earlier, um, most bulldog owners are very cognizant of you know, the issues bulldogs have, and they take extreme you know, care when it comes to the heat. So um, most of the ones we see are even, you know, larger breed dogs like uh, labs and I think people just uh, exercise them too much or play with them too long and uh, have some issues. Um, um, but that's that's really it uh, about heat strokes or hyperthermia. And, um, 
you know, with the being a break itself breed, obviously we, we have to take a little extra special precautions on that. Right. Okay. Well, great. I think that'll be very helpful to people just to get their heads around that and uh, just take it with us. I know whenever we have a new bulldog owner that we're dealing with, we always stress, you know, all that. And we're up in Pennsylvania, so we get, you know, very hot, humid weather, and then we get very cold weather, and we do tell them, you know, it's, you know, that bulldogs seem to do fine in the cold, but it, it can cause issues too. So um, if they're out too long in the some of these wet, some of these winters we've had here. Okay, great. Thank you for listening to the Bulldog Interviews on BullyNet with your host, Dave Kaufman. Check out the show notes from this podcast at BullyNet.com. Please leave a five-star review and your honest feedback on iTunes.